Welcome back to another episode of Below the Fold. This is episode two in season five, episode 101. Today we've got a guest whose name is Cole Reben. Hi, Cole. Hey there. Cole, uh, I've known Cole since 2013. Is that right? That sounds about right. Cole Reben started working at 97th Floor in 2013. And uh, many of you will know Paxton Gray. Paxton actually hired Cole, and I hired Paxton. Therefore, <laughs> Cole is my grandbaby. You, you can claim that if you want. <laughs> I do want, and I will. We've also got Brandon Hassler in the studio. What's up? Brandon Hassler started at 97th floor in 2012, July 27th. That the day? You sure? Uh, twenty something. Might uh, be twenty eighth. Anyway, uh, end of July two thousand twelve. So that was and cool, Cole huh? was on my team at one point. Oh, that's right. He was. Uh, so Cole, uh, he took me from Paxson's team. Tell tell us about your history. Uh, where since two thousand thirteen did did you have digital marketing experience before you went to ninety seven floor? So before ninety seven floor, I. Uh, I actually sold SEO services. Um, like freelance? Like, like No, what like, does that no. mean? Like, uh, so did you know I worked SEO for a company, just... the Yellow Pages. I worked for the Yellow Pages. They rebranded as a company called Haibu. What the? Uh, I know. I've never <laughs> heard this before. Oh, okay. So anyways. Uh, How have I never heard this before? Because uh, it's. Because we haven't had him on the podcast. A, yeah, but Cole, <laughs> Cole and I are like best friends, man. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's been uh, saving it for this. As friends, we, we put those professional things behind uh, beside us. Uh, so I was at Haibu for two years, and they were starting to do digital marketing um, for local businesses. They, of course, were masters of the yellow pages, and I was not interested in selling ad spaces and books. So uh, I interviewed with them for this new product they were offering called SEO. And uh, SEO for local businesses. What we would do is we would build a website for them, a small website, and control all the facets of optimization for keywords, uh, um, NAPs, you know, name, address, phone number, uh, listings and citations. We would control all that. I thought it was pretty cool that we had this simple little package and I thought it was pretty easy to sell. I, uh, I was pretty good at it and I didn't need to know much. Um, and I remember my first time renewing a contract that I had started for one of these SEO packages. They're like, yeah, uh, there's some weird things that are put on my website and I, I was just selling it to them. I wasn't following up on how well some of these uh, websites turned out. Uh, that wasn't actually in my job description at the time. Um, and they were, it was all done very poorly. The and website I, build? The website build, the uh, citations were inaccurate. Uh, they weren't matching, all sorts of Big so, no-nos. Okay, so the service that they were providing so the was The service they provided was crappy. And uh, I didn't know how to answer any question on uh, why is it, you know, why is it this way? Why is it that way? And so, Is that why you left? So uh, 
I thought, man, if I want a future in this, I should probably get the, get stuff figured out. And it was interesting around that time that I was just unsure about being at that company. Uh, a buddy of mine, James Rogers reached out to me and said, Hey, this company in, in Utah, nice and floor is looking to hire. And I think you'd be awesome over here. You should look into it. And I'm like, so Utah. you were in Idaho. Yeah. I was in Idaho. I was like, Utah. I don't know. Utah, I, I, like, like, like you're flying halfway across. That Utah. was no, it was at the top of my list of places I never wanted to move to. Well, welcome to Utah. Yeah, thanks. Um, and uh, I interviewed with Wayne over the phone to fill it out. And the rest is history, really. It's actually probably your fault that Paxton was taken off my team because he started this no, small business. I wasn't team. the first hire on his team. So it's definitely not my fault. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I look for every opportunity to blame. Yeah, I love it. To blame Cole. I love it. How much did they pay you at, at uh, Haibu? Wow, that's a very sensitive. No. Uh, you mean like per sale or whatever? No, or was well, whatever. I don't know. Was it 100% commission? It was base plus commission. Jacob. What was your base? Dude, this uh, was like so many years ago. I made $14 an hour starting yeah. at 97 floor. No, I'll, I'll put it out there. <laughs> uh, they I mean, that's paid not, me, you're not making that much now. Yeah, exactly. So they, they paid me 50 thousand base 50 something it was like 51 or 52 plus commission and uh I had a you book had of to sales. have taken a pay cut when you went to 97 floor yes yes and that was part of the conversation initially was what's the opportunity for growth and uh they said well we're trying to build out enterprise more and uh and they kept true to that that uh, Brandon snagged me, I think a month into me being at nice of a floor. So there was that opportunity for growth from Paxton's team pretty quick. So New York city out there. If you're hearing those horns. Yeah. Yeah. Track. yeah no, I'm here. <laughs> Very reminiscent. So Brandon, you took him a month after he got to 97 floor. Do you regret it? No, I was going to say <laughs> to this day, I think Cole is one of my favorite employees I've had on. Who's your least favorite teams. employee? I'm tearing up. I don't know. You don't know or you don't like, want to answer? Don't, no, I really don't, I don't have anyone that like stands out. I'm like, oh, that is just the worst. But <laughs> what I liked about Cole. Jacob, no, let's ask you, Jacob. What, what was your worst? Yeah, I want to hear that because you sound <laughs> like that you was know. a very poignant question. Oh, no, that's not. <laughs> that didn't even He's trying to guess. So I just wrote, I just wrote a name on, uh, on a piece of paper and asked him if, uh, if that was his least favorite. So no. you're saying that is not your least favorite employee? No, but I still can't think of, I was actually, I didn't even think of that name. Like, oh yeah, I forgot. So who, like I'm talking about all, like your whole career. Yeah. Okay. In what position did you have the least favorite? That's a horrible question, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe 90 cent floor, but I think a big part of that was just because I had no management experience. So I think a lot of the, like, and maybe this will answer the question. How about this person? I don't know. No. (laughs) Like... (laughs) There's no one I think of where it's like, oh, that's the worst. I'll t- I'll, I'll I'll share with you. <laughs> Jacob's my has got least a long favorite. list. I think it's on another page. Well, I'll tell you my least favorite 97 floor, and then my least favorite at Vivint. So you won't know the so second one, Cole. but you will. Yeah, Cole's Vivint. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's why I wasn't on a podcast. Yeah. Floor. Ah, okay. I was thinking like I don't know either of those. I know one of those. That's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would know the first one. The reason I like Cole so much, though, is because he was so proact- proactive. And it's like, I, don't, I, I hate taking the time to like, manage people, micromanage. I like people who manage themselves, and I can spend more time on just like strategizing with them and, and whatnot. All right, this isn't a show so about Cole how cool was, Cole is, okay? Cole was great. So if this doesn't work, if his current gig doesn't work out, anyone's listening, give Cole a call. 
He's a good employee. In fact, I was interested in hiring Cole. When I hired him? When I found out. Well, hang on, because we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. We're, we're getting ahead of the story. So, Cole, just uh, this is like the, the index of your career real quick, and then we can go more into detail. Cole started at Yellow Pages. They rebranded to Haibu. Then he left Haibu, which was in Idaho. He went to 97th floor at the beginning of 2013. He was on Paxton Gray's team for a month. Then he transitioned to Brandon's team on an enterprise-level team where Brandon was the manager on, on that team. How long were you at, well, at 97th floor, you moved your way up to become an enterprise lead, mm-hmm. but then they changed the titles. What was it called after that? Uh, campaign manager. So you were an enterprise campaign manager. Mm-hmm. And then you left 97th floor in August, 2017. I have a question about that. Remember when we were there, it, it used to be a manager and then they had a big presentation about how it's a lead. This is how the big agencies. Yeah, are no, doing I it. remember. Did they have a similar thing saying, where they went back to manager? Yeah, it's not lead guys. It's manager. Or is it just like one day they were just like, by the way, here's new titles. No, no. By then most of you guys were all gone. Yeah. So they didn't they probably didn't feel the need to explain. go back and explain why well, the rechange. Were you like, man, this feels like a demotion, a lead. That's way better than a manager. Well, people felt no. like lead was a demotion. No. I think a oh. lot of us were familiar with the fact that titles, what you put on LinkedIn would definitely be different than what was given to you at uh, 97 floor because it's, it's uh, kind of uh, just more of internal titling. Yeah. Okay. So you became a lead at 90, at 97 floor. You were there for three and a half years. Is that right? Yeah. Three and a half years. You left 97 floor to take the best job you've ever had <laughs> at Vivint Smart Home on my team as the SEO manager for less than a year, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like, it was like 11 months. Yeah. It's close. Uh, no, Cole, Cole, Cole's, Cole's an awesome dude. He, he's definitely been one of my favorite employees. Uh, and when we, when we lost him, that was a big blow, not just to Vivint, but to my self-esteem. <laughs> so that's, that's your career. You left Vivint. So it's what has it been six months, six I months think ago. about, about uh, five, yeah. six months. And now you're at Aptive. What's the full name? Aptive, like uh, uh, Aptive. Aptive Environmental. Environmental. That's right. Yep. Aptive Environmental. It's a pest control company. Uh, you've been there for six months. You're the director of marketing. Director of digital marketing is my official title. But you do all marketing, Yeah. The, the tone is that, you know, we're starting digital marketing. So I think that's. Okay. So you're the director of digital marketing and, um, this episode okay so that was a pretty big intro this episode we're going to be talking about building a team basically from scratch because when cole was hired he was the very first person to ever do digital marketing in aptive how long has aptive been around uh they have been around as aptive for there's been acquisitions in the past but as aptive for uh this is uh the third year and how how much how much how much is aptive worth um, it's hundreds of millions. Yes. It's, it's so, so aptive after three years is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Never had a digital marketing strategy. Correct. Boom. How did they get, well, that look, big at, look at Vivint without marketing. Look the at, same, the same way Vivint did. Yeah. Vivint didn't it's have marketing. Similar. Vivint started All in 1999 sales. as apex. They didn't have a digital marketing team until like 2011, 2012. So they, I mean, that was 12, 13 years without digital where they just built on the backs of, yeah. of door knockers, right? Active today Sales. is kind of like Vivint 2014. That's kind of how I, how I feel. Well, there you go. Okay, so, so there's your introduction. I know we've already started the episode, 
but let's get into the the deets. You ready, Brandon? The nitty gritty. Let's get started. Okay, so we've got Cole Rebin on the mic. Cole is going to talk to us about building a marketing team from scratch for a company that's gigantic that has never had a digital marketing team before and what it takes, what kind of uh, uh, learnings you've gotten as far as what you would do um, over, right? Mistakes, whatever. We'll go through it all. Is there anything you want to say to start things off, Brandon? Yeah, I'm curious about, I think a lot of people find themselves in this situation, uh, probably more so in small businesses um, than in like a bigger, you know, multi-million dollar company or whatever. But I think it's, there's a lot of similarities and that is I just got put into this marketing position. I got to figure out where to spend our efforts. Uh, what's that process like at first? Like, where do you start? Um, with determining whether you need to hire more like manpower, more employees, or if it's, we need to dump all of our money in ads or it's, it, it's, we need to focus on organic efforts. Wait, what, that, what, that's a really good question, a but one. there's something before that, that we need to talk about. And okay. that is you, first of all, you, you know, the CEO and his brother or something like that. So there's, there's a relationship there. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like, like out of the blue, you were, you were interviewing with someone you didn't know. It was pretty close to out of the blue. I mean, his brother had brought it up multiple times uh, that I should go talk to his brother, the CEO, because his brother's my neighbor. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was never really serious until a certain point. He's like, you, you should really, they're, uh, they're actually serious about the digital marketing thing. You should go talk to him. And I think he reached out to me and said, hey, you want to meet? And it was kind of, it did kind of still feel. So at what blue. point did you know they had never done digital marketing before? Um, in that interview, that in the interview. interview. Okay. So, so that's, what's going through my mind is, you know, how big this company is, you're meeting with the CEO and I don't know what, how the question was posed, but at some point someone was like, Hey, what does it currently look like? What are you currently doing? And the CEO probably said, uh, nothing. We're not doing anything. And then you're like, Oh, so that's what I'm getting into. Let me, and let me clear that up a little bit. So they had been testing out PPC for Uh, about a couple months and they started noticing that uh, the cost for a an acquisition was much lower than with outside sales and so that's some of those initial findings uh, just toying around with with PPC how crazy is that okay how how many of your sales guys came from Vivint oh I don't even know but uh, I mean, mean some you mean internally internal sales guys or any of sales guys let me let me reframe that how many people who work at aptive came from vivid period uh I, there's a In-house. ton that at least have some history right with vivid right of some sort and, yeah. and and that that question was answered so long ago before aptive even existed that oh digital is cheaper than anything else why is it taking these companies so long to find to figure that out because uh you know it 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 comes down to company strategy and each company has their own strategy of what where they want to take a company and i think it took wanting to take aptive and maybe a different direction than they took altera uh was a big part of that i I don't think it was complete negligence i don't think it was complete uh 
um, I don't think they were super naive because uh, I wouldn't have had that meeting if they were oblivious to the fact that digital marketing can bring on cheaper leads. It was, is this the right time to build out a whole internal system that's similar or parallel to our outside sales? That's, that's, that's interesting. So what you're telling me is that they probably knew the benefit of digital the entire time, but waited three years to implement. Yeah. I think they could answer the question of, do you think, uh, do you think digital marketing would, uh, provide you leads at a lower cost? They probably say, yeah, that probably makes, that makes sense. But do you think that that question was ever asked? Um, yeah, that's, that's a better way to put it is probably just not asked. Yeah. Like, yeah, it makes sense to me if someone's like, Hey, CEO, you're smart enough to build this multi-million dollar company. Are you not smart enough to know that digital would be cheaper? That's not the question. The question is he's building this company. It's very successful. Uh, but that question, cause that's what doesn't make sense to me is like, if they knew there's no reason why they shouldn't (laughs) have done it at the very beginning, like that it'd be easier to set up than, than what they did. And, and there's high risk right? There's, uh, there's risk with bringing on me or bringing on other people. There's costs associated with it that, Hey, what if it doesn't pan out? At least with our sales guys, we know what it takes to be a good salesperson. We're very confident in our recruiting abilities for outside sales, but them, them there, they may, they knew that there'd be risk investing a lot of money in a, in something that they know that they're not familiar with. They, uh, this is something that they would admit that they true, didn't know a true. lot. There's a some lot risk, about. but I would say that it's a fraction of the risk they put in building out the sales team. Meaning you, you're one person. The risk was we pay one guy a salary and there's other expenses, right? You want to bring on yeah. some, some more budget yeah. or whatever. They weren't oblivious to that. Yeah. But you, you think about something like a Vivint where they've got thousands of salespeople and then the digital marketing team that has 20 to 30 people. Uh, the risk is significantly lower. So, so, but you're, that's just one piece of the puzzle. If you decide to build out a digital team, you would need people to be able to receive those leads. Right. And so they know that the investment is more than just a team to build out lead acquisition. It's closing leads as well. We can't just take our outside force and give them these leads. Right. We have to build out a call center internally. Same thing with Vivint. That was part of the Let's build out the call center first and then let's start figuring out how we're going to drive leads. Yeah, we are going down a rabbit hole here. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not a bad thing. I blame myself. Uh, but you had an outsourced yes. call center. Currently first. still. Oh, you do. Right. Yeah. So that minimizes the risk at, at sure, some degree. Sure. Anyway, that, that's not necessarily what we need to get into. I What I was trying to answer at the very beginning was you were offered this job to start this whole thing. And I want to know, I want to know how you processed the fact that there's this huge company that had barely dabbled in digital and what kind of was going through your head as far as, am I even qualified to do this? Yeah. Um, first off, like when you, the first thing I knew to do is research the opportunity. And when I could clearly see what kind of opportunity existed, because granted, uh, it could have been an industry where they're not dabbling in digital marketing, but then you go look at the opportunity and search volumes low. Uh, the industry is not really exploring that space. And so there may not be a lot of opportunity, but once I saw the opportunity, I just got super excited to the, 
I, I wasn't worried about some of the channels I was less familiar with operating um, because I knew that a channel like SEO could create by itself tons of opportunity for this company that I could forecast and would 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 already be alone uh, a huge uh, building point for the company. And I knew that I can I can I have enough experience with other channels that I can put enough pieces in place to uh, to build it out. I, I, I felt the confidence there, um, but I leaned very heavy on my strong, where my bigger experience comes from. Yeah, and that's true. And uh, there are times when I'm a little jealous of your opportunity. Because <laughs> that's what it was. I mean, that's huge. Any Any small thing that you do would be incremental, period. Correct like literally jump for joy when I, when I saw what kind of opportunities were there and uh, they're just hadn't been, I, it was just right timing. Yeah. Okay. Were you at all worried about expectations because you were the first person, obviously you look at it, you're excited because it's, you see all this opportunity, easy growth yeah. or whatnot, but were you also worried, especially with the company making so much money that they're expecting this yeah. and you're, you only know that you're going to deliver this at least for the first, you know, six months or so. Was that ever a discussion of like expectations yeah. beforehand? I've worked enough on the agency side to know that frustrating point of expectations not being uh, put out there on the table. And then you're six months into a contract and they're expecting these humongous results that maybe you just didn't, uh, you know, vocalize those points, uh, those, those results of what they would be at the beginning with this opportunity. I was confident in taking the job because uh, Vest, the CEO, he is, he, he understood proper expectations and he laid those out at the very beginning. And, uh, I wouldn't have taken the job if I wasn't, if I didn't feel confident in, in that those were reasonable expectations. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess then going to the original question of where did like day one, where do you start investigating? Like, where do you figure out, okay, this is what I need to do. Or did you already have a plan going in? Yeah, I already had a plan going in. I, uh, in our interview process, it was me putting a plan together pretty much. Uh, uh, Vess and Dave, Dave is the, uh, he's the other founder. Um, they both questioned what I would do. And so I had to put a plan together from the beginning before I was even brought on. And it was, uh, you know, and they, they knew my strong point. They knew that uh, I, I was stronger in SEO than I was in any of those other channels. And they knew that that would be the bigger upfront investment that may not yield the fruits until we started ranking organically. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so I had a plan going in and I had my priorities in place. Not to say some of those haven't changed as the positions rolled out and as other things have rolled out. But, uh, but yeah, I went into it knowing um, what, uh, how things should look from the beginning. So what does their website look like? So when you were doing your research and you were like, well, my strong set is SEO and that's where yeah. the cheapest leads are going to come from. You look at their, their website. I imagine one of the first things you did, what, uh, what were your impressions? Uh, what once again, website? jumped, jump for joy. When you see that, uh, pages were super thin, um, user experience was, uh, I mean, you could look at it for, I mean, in the first five seconds, you could come up with things. And granted, we're still working on making the updates that I've wanted to make for a while. So you could still look at it and you can look at 
like, Hey, why isn't there this? Why isn't like, even the phone number is not big enough. Uh, the form, it takes up the whole page. Why is it not off to the right? Uh, tons of quick things just on the conversion side. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh yeah, that's part of that opportunity that I saw from the beginning. And it, it got me excited. Uh, less than I wasn't as worried about how daunting it would be to, um, to build it out the right way, but more excited about even some tweaks would make some big differences. Can we, can we, uh, can we bullet point? So you say you already had a plan. SEO was part of that plan. So you come in and if you were bullet point, basically the initiatives in the order of priority that you would do SEO, I imagine is towards the top. What are, what, what, what's included in that plan? Um, as broad as, uh, marketing channels. Yeah. SEO was at the top. Uh, PPC was next. Um, and then performance marketing, uh, affiliates kind of tied into that. Uh, those are the three top priorities that are still my top three right now. Obviously we're still here at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then, uh, and then what's next? So what have you done in the six months? So, uh, I hired the biggest thing at the beginning was realizing, um, the, the resources I had internally, I need to figure those out. I need to figure out what do we currently have? What resources do I need to gather to be able to first build out the website the, the right way, optimized, uh, sales flow, all of that. Um, and nobody there really would be able to assist me in that. We, ha we have a, a, a design agency that we've been using for a long time. Uh, they were working on everything design from uh, sales pros shirts to our events. I knew that they wouldn't have the bandwidth that I needed to be able to uh, get certain things designed. So I leaned on other agencies for some design for the website. Uh, I went with uh, an agency to create all of our copy for our landing pages. And sorry, our I built out category pages and service pages. So I'm calling service pages what are also known as product pages. Um, and then also local pages. Uh, I need to build content for local pages. We have 36 branches that I need to build specific pages for. And so I, I need to create all that copy. So I needed to hire an agency. And I knew from the beginning that I'd be going the route of um, getting agencies to come and assist. I felt I feel confident in my ability to vet agencies for what I need done the right way. And, uh, and also my strategy from the beginning was to not lean on one agency for tons of different things, even though they all do all of it. I knew that this agency was strong at this. I knew this other agency was strong at another thing. For example, one of the agencies I went with, I know that they are familiar with the pest industry and they are good at creating content that converts. And so I wanted them to create my copy. But then I knew uh, there were other agencies that um, were good at promoting and, uh, you know, doing uh, blog outreach and stuff like that, where I could have leaned on the initial industry or agency, but I wanted to go to another agency that I felt more comfortable with it, um, that they would hit all of the, the points that I deem qualified. Um, 
So yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go into something more philosophical. <laughs> and it's actually been a topic in, on past episodes. And this is actually pretty relevant considering your situation. But uh, when you are creating a team, whether it's in-house or outsourced, you have three options. You can hire in-house full-time employees. You can outsource to agencies or you can outsource to freelancers. Where do you stand on each of those? What's your menti- what, what's kind of your personal code as far as building out a team? I know you've been using agencies, but that's kind yeah. of like right off the bat, you need to get things, things done. So you hire an agency it makes sense. What uh, more long-term, what's your team going to look like? My code, I feel like I, that I've always operated on is in-house is the ultimate goal. Uh, full-time employees that manage every aspect of what we do 100% in-house. That's, that's my ultimate goal. That's my, uh, you have so much control. Um, and, and I feel like you can, you know, you know, people may argue, well, you know, are they going to be, are they so stuck in a niche that they don't explore uh, new things where an agency sees tons of opportunities that come from the other clients that they work with. Um, that's a valid selling point of an agency, but I feel like, um, there's, there's so much success in eventually getting to the point where you can house it all in house. What about, what about going between an agency versus a freelancer? What makes you decide that you, you kind of mentioned as far as niche, you have outreach agency and you have a copywriting agency. Is that because I mean, why is that? Why? And and at at any point, are you pulling in freelancers? Sure. Uh, I feel like my strategy with freelancers is more on a cost saving side. Uh, if, if cost is more, is the bigger part of the issue? And I feel like, um, Quali- qualifications don't matter as much. I'll, I'll go uh, freelancer um, when I'm really concerned with quality because with an agency, you have access to way more resources. Granted, this is a, it, it, it's hit and miss, right? Some freelancers have been in agencies for a long time. So you're getting the same quality, but they figured they could go do it by themselves. Um, so sometimes you just know that person who does something so amazing. They will always be your person. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of those or else I'd probably lean more on freelancers than I do agencies. But I feel like with agencies, there's just, um, there's some security. It's a security blanket that I wouldn't get with freelancers. That's kind of how I distinguish between two. What about you, Brandon? What? (laughs) Same question. Repeat it. What is, I mean, you are responsible for building out a team. You outsource, mm-hmm. but you also have an in-house team. Yep. Cole is saying long-term, it's always better to have in-house, which is where I fall. I, I agree with that. Uh, what is, what, what's your team looking like within five years? Do you look to outsource competency until you can replace it in-house? Or are you more long-term, why fix why fix uh, why fix it if it's not broken as far as agencies doing the work? Yeah, I mean it's I, I think I side along with that same 
type of mentality of long term, you know, ideally, even if it's not necessarily having someone do that work, execute, having someone internally to oversee it. Uh, I mean, we have a pretty healthy mix of uh, outsourced stuff as well as in-house. I mean, our team is super small. Uh, it's a total of uh, three. Well, numbers fluctuating right now with the merger stuff, but um, very small team and we handle a bunch of campuses, but then we also put a lot of work on 97th floor. Who's one of our agencies. Uh, they do the bulk of our SEO, like pretty much everything in terms of link building, uh, on page optimization. They also assist with our content. So content was something that I feel like getting in. If, if there's, if there's a position to get in house sooner than later, I would say someone over content because that there is just a big difference. Like 90 cent floor is a great agency, but our content went way up in quality when we had someone in house who actually is like seeing how things happen. They, they talk with the admissions team and like really get to know things. Content's kind of general. What's your definition currently of content? Like content as in whether it's blog posts, graphics, um, guides that we put together of like, you know, lead, lead gen type stuff someone who's in-house just has a better pulse. And so I think that that was one of the first positions that I wanted to invest in was someone that's just dedicated and 97 floor still helps with that. They still find opportunities as it, as it relates to SEO. If they find an opportunity that's going to get us more organic traffic, then they'll at least suggest it to us. We either will take it or we'll say, yeah, could you guys assist with that? Um, and, and PPC as well. I, I think PPC is something that you could, uh, put in house pretty quickly. Um, but for now, I just don't want to deal with that because we have so many other things that we want to do <laughs> that it's easier just to outsource. That's valid. So, yeah. So yeah, right. I mean, I, I like, and I think it's wise to always have outsourced teams. I mean, at 97 four, we always had a discussion. It's like, why is, you know, why Samsung and these huge companies, why would they outsource to agencies when they have these floors of, of teams? And I think there's an advantage of, of having access to companies who are thinking different than the bubble that you're in. Uh, gen I mean, 90 cent floor, that's one of the biggest things I miss about working in an agency setting is like every day we're brainstorming new stuff or like we come across articles and then talk about like, oh, there's this. Like I just read today that 44%, uh, supposedly the past year, 44% of people between the ages of 18 and 29, I believe, uh, have uninstalled Facebook from their mobile phones. Uh, which is a pretty high. I mean, number. at some point or another, at some point or another, like whether they reinstalled it, that's not part of the statistic. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's a big number there, but 44% of basically millennials is what they're the articles. Well, that's kind of a young millennial. Now the definition of millennial, but a lot of people uninstalling it. So at 97 floor, we would like sit around and talk about that. And then like, well, how does this affect this? And we'd, we'd argue about it. We'd argue about it. And like, and it would force us to kind of like check our own opinion on things and then go to research. And should we invest in this? Um, you don't. You don't get that really at in-house companies, and that's also because we just have so much. And you should hold an agency accountable for innovation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, agencies typically, their job is to innovate. Like they have to be different to stand out. Otherwise, you're going to go with someone else, or you're going to hire your own in-house team. So I'm a fan of always keeping access to an agency, even if you're taking work off them. Like, like okay, we're finally bringing in a PPC person. We don't need you for PPC. We still want your advice, like a consulting role. I think that's wise, but starting out, uh, I'm realizing it's, especially if I was like, you're a one man startup and you've got some budget to hire, I would say hundred percent do an agency 
because they can just get the work done. When you bring on someone in-house, like that one person, you've also got to manage them and make sure they're working hard during the day and all of these different things. But I think you still got to do the same thing with an agency. And so you, you weigh do. the balance of that, meaning I feel like there's always a honeymoon phase with an agency yeah. where it's like, oh, three months of having to prove ourselves is over. Now we can kind of assign new people to the account that uh, are brand new to the company and we can start kind of uh, saving costs here and here. And so you have to keep them in check as well almost like an employee, but yeah, obviously when you hire, you kind of weigh that, that exact option, that, that same thing. And, and us, the three of us with the agency experience that we have should know that better than anybody, which I'm sure helps with, with how much pseudo we were playing. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the nice thing with an agency, you get, you get a big bang for your buck, you know, for $5,000 a month, that's like one person, a decent person on your team who may only be good at writing blog posts or may only be good at developing websites. Whereas an agency, you get access to a developer when you need it or an artist when you need it. And that's a big advantage, I think, uh, starting out when you can just, okay, this month we want to focus. We just need that, uh, that, that interactive done. Let's focus on that versus if it's all in-house, I got to go find an, a, a, a developer and then figure out if I'm going to hire them on part-time or full-time or a contract. It's just a lot of, a lot of pain. I'll close the loop on this, uh, discussion. Um, so that we can end the episode. <laughs> no, just he wants to, to play some roulette. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those three options, freelance agency in house um, or uh, full time employees or part time employees. Uh, I think you treat it differently at different phases of your company growth as well. Um, right now, I want to go heavy agency to get things just done and off the ground. When you when you mentioned Samsung, their approach with agency is most likely completely different in that, hey, we're, we're next level. We're, we're really diving deep and we need somebody to think completely out of the box. Right now, I don't expect my agencies to think too far out of the box. I just need stuff done. And my agency exploration will change in a new phase of the company and digital marketing growth. So at what point do you change that? Um, I think you have to set clear phases of where you want your digital marketing plan to grow. Uh, Maybe the initial phase is we need to build out an organic strategy and a, um, uh, and some form of media strategy. And once that's done, we need to build out content marketing and my agency approach with a content marketing strategy may be totally different than the content I needed in phase one of just landing page material and um, uh, homepage material, conversion material. What are the things would someone be interested in knowing about building out a marketing team? <sighs> that was the big one was, uh um, outsourcing versus bringing in, which we kind of discussed a good balance like that. One of the biggest things I've, I've noticed, and it's, it's kind of one of the, so I guess self plug, I'm working on uh, launching a new market campus course, uh, December 1st. And the, and the focus from what I've noticed is that, uh, the focus is organic and, and talks nothing about Facebook ads. And the reason this is my opinion, I want to get your opinion on it. I feel like one of the biggest mistakes people get when they get money, uh, whether it's a super small biz, like a, like an entrepreneur who just got like his first investment from his uncle and is like, I gotta do a Facebook ads. Like, it seems like that's the, the, the answer. Facebook ads, Facebook ads. That's what we need to be doing. 
my opinion is that no, like Facebook ads are great. That's not where you start because usually you start doing Facebook ads. You send them to the crappy website, which hasn't been optimized yet. You haven't figured out who the, the customer persona is. So you don't really know who you're marketing to. So you're going to, you might get some leads and some sales, but, but maybe you don't know your market and your strategy was, I'm going to use Facebook ads to understand my market. There is that element of, of testing. I, I, I do think there's a lot of things you can do. But you're talking about lead acquisition and is that where you want to yeah. first? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, do you believe, and, and I don't know if that was a big discussion internally of like, Hey, I, I, it's, I, I always say it's like the fat kid who just got the key to the candy store. Mm. And it's like, oh, and Dev Mountain was kind of a victim of this. Uh, you know, pre-acquisition, it was super tight budgets. It was the owner's like personal money, basically. Uh, so every dollar was just, you know, looked at like a like a hawk. But then as soon as they got purchased, now you have a big public company saying, okay, now you have this budget. It's like jazz sponsorships and big billboards and Facebook ads. They never really thought about investing in like, should we build out our team? Should we hire an agency? It was just ads, ads, billboard sponsorships. Um, yeah. Was that a discussion over there where they were pressuring maybe to say, we got to do Facebook ads, we got to do this. And maybe you agree and or disagree with me and say, yeah, that was the direction that's, and it was wise. Or did you push back and say, no, we want to do a little bit, but let's focus on outsourcing to this. Maybe we need more content. We need to focus on local pages more. Like there's a lot to do before Facebook. Was that ever a discussion? And, and how did that yeah. end up? Yeah. Um, I feel like if I felt pressure from the beginning that there was a channel they really wanted me to focus on, even if I wasn't okay with it, or if I had to feel, if I, if I felt like I needed to push back on something like that, uh, I, I may have felt like this wasn't the right opportunity for me. So that was a big selling point for me was, Hey, we're giving you complete autonomy. We're going to completely, whatever you feel is like, we're already testing paid PPC, but if you feel like, uh, we need to, jump out of that, they would give me complete autonomy on that. So um, it was more of me and, and with help um, coming up with uh, uh, what would, what, where would our dollars best be spent initially. That's why it, for me, it was a mix of, okay, there's certain things we're gonna have to invest in right now, like in SEO, that's gonna cost a lot upfront and it's not gonna back out for a while but it's needed and when it does back out, it's gonna start producing leads at the lowest cost. Like I, I projected the cost that they would come out to and all of a sudden their eyes got really big. And you know, like I said, they weren't completely naive to that, but when they started really, when we started working on the numbers, it was like, oh wow, okay, all right. We won't even question, even though my forecasts show that even seasonality will affect that and um, that that the initial investment is going to be very high and it's not going to back out for a while but at the same time i want to also work on channels where the investment does back out immediately and uh overall it's going to grow the business it's going to help us test at what frequency we need to add uh um, inside sales people and, and stuff like that before we start fielding a lot more leads that are going to come in through organic so if you this is going back to our third ever episode but if you were only able to pick two digital marketing strategies out of all of them which two would they be hmm. i would uh dump it all on google ppc and and uh search ppc and search oh, sorry yeah i mean organic yeah yeah, and yeah, paid yeah, search. yeah sorry. seo and ppc sure unless you want to okay. call that one and then i get another one 
Nope, that's two. <laughs> do you remember what you said in uh, episode three about which two strategies you would you would I, pick? Do you have it written down? I do, yeah. I'm going to guess one of them is email. One of them is email. And the other one was SEO. The other one's SEO. But uh, that's going back three, three plus years, man. I'd still stick with email for sure. If I was looking for some quick results and had a good email funnel. No, remember, you, you only get to do these two forever. No, then you put it in the context of Dev Mountain, didn't you? No, no. Oh. He didn't work at Dev Mountain when oh. he did this. Okay. I will uh, I'll say uh, for if I had to stick with it forever, Facebook ads. And he was just bashing on Facebook ads. Email marketing. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy because it's like, what yeah, is I the I assumption that. I haven't figured out? Facebook ads are awesome because you can have like sweet sure. funnels on autopilot. I'm saying starting out, assuming I have my shiz together and I know my persona, the pages convert, then I'm dumping tons of money into Facebook ads and I convert them through email. Oh, so you've got tons of money. Good to Email know. is my favorite medium. Email? Yeah. Yeah, email's pretty cool. Love it. Okay, so I want to transition. We don't have a ton of time. Brandon, why don't you get uh, roulette ready? Have you guys heard of the game called oh, yeah. Google Feud? <laughs> Google Feud. <laughs> Cole, have you heard of it? Yeah, we did. we've played it at Vivint before. I don't remember. Never heard of it. So Go- I'm pretty sure I showed you it. No, you didn't. I, I, I'm pretty sure I did. No, I learned about it uh, Halloween last year. That's, that's about, a different story. That's about the time I probably would have showed story. it to you. So listen, <laughs> Google Feud, Brandon, is you've heard of Family Feud. Yes. So you, the, someone created a web-based game called Google Feud where they basically take Google auto-suggest and then they start a query and then you have to finish it with the last word. And then, I, I mean, I could just show you here. And then they have like a Family Feud hmm. board. So Did you get to choose a category. Google Feud? It's called Google Feud. It wasn't at the beginning. It's, it's called googlefeud.com. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've heard that. So I'm, so sure, there are like, different, I'm sure there are different how variations. How do I turn on my... Yeah, and, and then, then they're like, the Xbox. top 10. You have to guess the what the 10. most relevant results are. Yeah, or the so while you're setting that up, I just want to play a couple of rounds of this, and then we'll get into, into roulette. Uh, okay. There are several different categories, and I was, just, I was just thinking about this. I picked on questions, right? So the first question is, where do I buy a blank? And now we now guess. you guess. I'm gonna type it in and see where where it lands. Uh, it was one of us Tesla. going first. Okay, so so Cole says Tesla. I'm gonna say uh, which is uh, your first strike. I'm gonna oh. say home. <laughs> where do I buy oh, a home? Where? Where? Oh, sorry, I thought it was how. No, where? Where do I buy a? Let's go with Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> we actually are getting way too specific. These top results are going to be way more general. Well, these tops, well, these top ones are the top auto suggest. Sure. So if I were to open it up, open up a new tab, don't do that. And I said, where do I buy a, the first one is fire stick, but that's the regional your, or your IP card. is here. So Google feud doesn't work Maybe. off of Let's IP. see fire stick. Number one. So is it just pulling from your... It's just pulling. No, it's not from mine. It's it's auto-suggest. It's Google auto-suggest. Where do I buy a Fire Stick? Was the, so Amazon, right? Amazon Fire I Stick? I imagine it's Fire Stick, yeah. I gotcha. Wow. The, the other one that I so saw then, on oh, there was... Oh, go ahead. If that's the first one, then uh, do I venture to say, where do I buy an Amazon Echo? I was going to say Alexa. <laughs> yeah, you're right. People a lot of people say call Alexa. Alexa. Yeah. So Alexa... It was not on there. The number two was Hedgehog. Number three was Keg. Three, Hoverboard. <laughs> Four, House in Skyrim. Then Pokemon Go Plus. SIM card. Trump sign. A lot of people want Trump signs, apparently. <laughs> 
Fitbit and dog. Where do I buy a dog? Did you clear your cash before you did? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> so let's just do one more and then we'll get into, into let's not now do that questions. you guys know. Let's do another category. Okay, what? pick a category. Uh, Culture, people, people, names, questions. Let's do... Uh, like names. Like people? No, no, well, there's people and then there's yeah, names. Right. Oh. I forget what the difference is. Let's do people. Yeah, sure. It's not the one you said yeah, not to do. Yeah, but I, I might oh. be thinking of names. Okay, it's when you die, you blank. When you die, you... Go to heaven. Go to heaven. Number two. So, go oh, to sorry. It's go to heaven or hell. Uh-huh. So, that, so it's a question. That's number two. That's number two. When you die, you... Are, oh, can I... Sure, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Say something. Are reincarnated? When you die, you are reincarnated. No. Is it, it says you are, right? It's no, when, when you, you die, die you blank. Oh, you. Uh, there's got to be something around nothingness, but I don't know how to get. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how to get buried. Yep. Get buried. Actually, that one went through my. Nope. Head. Another strike. Uh, this is actually pretty hard. When you die, have you a will. Nope. Number one is when you die, you, you die. die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you die, you die. And then third is uh, you will meet God. You will become a tree. You will become a star. You so reincarnated die, was you too general. Star. You die for real. You become a tree. Wow, that's a theme. Cannot uh, you cannot take it with you. You turn into a tree and you say, you are reborn. Huh. I was gonna say you become a zombie. Now can we look at the Wiki- Wikipedia's that show up when you, we search <laughs> each of those? Yeah, that'd uh, be that's weird, fun. Huh? That's a okay. fun game. All right, so that's Google Feud. Maybe we'll play that in future episodes. Okay, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, is the roulette table ready, and do we have our questions set up? Yes, we do. Okay, here we go. Let me uh, let me spin the ball here. It's a sticky ball. Here we go. That was a pretty good spin. That's going to go for a little while. Yeah, it's a, put some oomph behind that one. Cole, what do you think of our, our uh, roulette table? It's colorful. <laughs> colorful. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah, what did it land on there? <laughs> uh, we got black 24. Black 24. All right. Cole, you ready for this question? <laughs> sure. You <Kay>. better be. <laughs> Here it goes. Brandon? All right. <laughs> How many of these are we doing? Uh, we'll just do two or three, maybe. Just black 24. Would you rather have a one-on-one strategy session with Gary Vaynerchuk, Rand Fishkin, or Seth Godin? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Rand. Can you expand <laughs> why? <laughs> That's great. Well, Next question. Those are not my top three. So, uh, uh, Rand, because uh, especially currently, he's uh, he he started something from scratch, and that's the state I'm in. And so I would definitely feel I would ask him a lot of questions about that. Um, so yeah, I think Gary V started from scratch too. No, I mean like currently though. Gary V is not. Well, I mean, when, when did he buy? It? Did he, he bought the Jets or something? Or <laughs> wow, that's like <laughs> that's twenty <laughs> years after he started. No, he he started digital marketing. Sure. His parents' winery or something. I mean, his right now their face. Rand oh, is still you're talking about phase. Spark Toro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you can't you can't compare that. Spark Toro is only successful because it's it's been built by Rand Fishkin. 
<laughs> like I thought you were talking about Moz because he built Moz from scratch. Sure, sure. That, but that would be more. That would be more. But isn't more it also apples daunting apples. to want to start something new after starting something? First as of all, big as he's Moz? got millions of dollars to put behind his project. He has his name and fame and network. Spark Toro, arguably, I, I would argue that it would not even be a blip on the radar if it were started by anyone else. That's a great topic of a podcast. Could be. I think it will be a blip yeah. on the radar. Even still, well, it's a, it is a blip. It is a blip. You, so you you argue against? I don't. His, I think in five years he's going to be on something else. Well, he's on it. Well, maybe, but influencer marketing is bigger, and that's kind of what he's getting into. His yeah. main platform hasn't even been released yet. Yes. So I, I mean, who knows, right? It's still it's still an unknown. That's another thing is he can afford to sit around and take his time. So his his method would yeah. likely be very different. His than overhead's your not very high. No, it's not. <laughs> in his so backyard. so if you went if you were I thought you were going to ask him more about Moz, which would be way more apples to apples to your situation, which would probably be benefit uh, you more. Um, and in that case, he'd starting. be like, read my book. Yeah, read my book. Yeah, so but do you have his book? Some of the things he start he did to start Moz when he started it may not be relevant today. So I'd I'd prefer to ask something of, okay, you're starting something new. Well, right now. you'll have a one on one with him, so you cool. can ask him cool. both. Yeah. Uh, what if what if we threw Neil Patel in there? Absolutely uh, not. Absolutely, but, uh, but he I always would. finds a way in. So that was very <laughs> relevant. Uh, <laughs> yes, he does. The pop up for Neil Patel. <laughs> 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 that was the funniest thing you've said this whole episode. Well, thanks, thanks. <laughs> okay, next question. I mean, you're going Seth Godin, obviously. So I don't even need to ask. Oh, yikes. I'm going Gary V. So he just hyped me up. You know what, Gary V. Minutes. I like Gary V. But yeah, if you were like uh, if you were in a one on one with him, he would be so off the wall. I mean, he's so yeah. ADD that I yeah. feel like he wouldn't. You wouldn't even have his attention. Yeah. He'd be he'd be on his Snapchat yeah. and he'd be on his YouTube. Maybe and he'll he'd surprise be, you. Yeah, maybe. I'm just one of those like blink at every f word he says. And I do think like, like Rand. I think he'd give you the time of day. He'd sit down and he'd listen and he would be attentive and yeah. Although I think Gary and Seth Godin, he would just want to talk about himself. <laughs> That's true. You're like, buy my book. <laughs> is that the accent he would have? What is, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, never yeah, I, am, I am Seth Godin. Please <laughs> buy my book. <laughs> All right. That was uh, Red 18. Red 18. All right. What question we got? Uh, let's see here. Snapchat. Can we finally just say it's dead or is it still worth investing into? <laughs> Oh, I am so unqualified when it comes to Snapchat. Uh, yeah, but, I, the uh, fact that it's even a question, we're still talking about Snapchat. That's still a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Snapchat's still pretty big. Like, how many users do they have? I don't know. If I Google it right now, guess how many users they have. Well, they've got to have over. Uh, I'm gonna guess uh, 200 million. I'm gonna guess. No, it's 200 million monthly, 80 million active. Daily active users. I'd have to say like more around 500 million. 500 million? Okay. Yeah. There's 186 million daily active users worldwide. Oh, daily active. But that's down from 188 million the previous quarter. Oh, yeah. Quarter. They've been dead for years. Yeah. So <laughs> for years. Snapchat went downhill the second they released Snap or the glasses. Well, as soon as they started doing that, I'm just like, nah. Oh, yeah. So, a so actually, if you look at this chart which I know our, our listeners won't be able to look at, but they started in 2000. Well, this, this goes from 2014 first quarter where they had 46 million daily active users in Q1 of 2014. And they have grown every quarter until Q1 of 2018, which is when this chart ends to 191 million. But 
active users. But, and then also, uh, are they isolating more on a particular market that benefits a certain industry? So w once again, I think uh, for some, doing ads on Snapchat is dynamite. And others, it's just not. That's the thing is it's it's super niche in a, in a market category. Well, Vivint is uh, having success on Snapchat. Yeah. Low volume, but low cost cost. All right. So Snapchat, that's a dumb question. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Should we replace the roulette table with something that like gives us a, a, a random number? I don't know, maybe like a random number generator. Or I'm something? enjoying it this way. Yeah, you got an issue? No, I love it. I'm just saying like, no, no, no. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. I like it. Um, okay. That was uh, red. Sorry, black. First 31. of all, why are, why are, who cares about the, the color? We just need the number. Well, oh, I figured there was a color code and everything. <laughs> no, there's no color code. I, I mean, it is roulette. Well, he's got to you know, read whatever. it as he sees it on the board. 31. I guess we got any like Vegas experts here. Like, wow, well, I want to know the color as well. Yeah, yeah you know. They have their own table at home. They're like putting their yeah. chips on. You guys <laughs> would have like, like it's bingo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So that one, this is a question we asked last time, but I think I'd love to hear Cole's opinion on it. Okay, go ahead. What is an unpopular opinion you have related to marketing? Oh. Uh, All of them. <laughs> oh, man. Um no one knows. No one has an answer. That's why tough it's one. such a great question. Um, you know, you know, it's you know. hard to say what's popular. Uh, if you see it, if you see somebody else validate your idea, you may, I don't know. No, I, I what makes it that. hard is that people don't think any of their opinions are unpopular. <laughs> yeah. I felt like Nate got this question and I thought he of all people would be like, oh, I always say this and everyone says I'm crazy. No, I would have no, said see, the same see, thing. See, this is, that, that's what I'm saying is if you ask anyone else, What's an unpopular opinion well, that right. Nate has? You're right. That would be easy to answer. It would be better. So we've worked together. It'd be more of a question of Jacob. What's something you've heard Cole say that uh, that you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of from left field. But uh, yeah, I, I so yeah, I can answer this. One unpopular opinion that Cole has is that his CEO and top leadership isn't ignorant. <laughs> I was thinking like this would stay super niche. To I'm just SEO kidding. Or no, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, we, I, I feel like we only got in two real arguments while we worked together. One of them was pretty close to the end, and maybe that's why Do you, you left. remember what the topic was. Though? No, but I remember this. I remember <laughs> sitting left. around and like raising our voices at each other. Yeah, we did that handful. We did a couple times. Yeah, a couple times while we were there, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. No. I. I but I don't remember. Me neither. People who keep grudges are the better people to answer this kind of stuff. Fair enough. Oh, well, geez, so getting puberty still. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that out, right? <laughs> keep it in. Keep uh, it in. Here's a fun fact about Cole and me. We started a cornhole league this past summer. I actually talked a lot about the cornhole league. Speaking of on Neil the Patel. podcast, uh, this is a little plug, although the the league isn't going on anymore yeah. but uh that's that's another thing i was trying to think of is like what unpopular opinion does cole have about cornhole and um actually i'll just tell a fun story just because it's fun after cole left vivant we have so we have meal tickets right so we get meal tickets that we use every day to get our our, our we get free lunch and so we get these meal tickets well after he left he still had a surplus of meal tickets that he could use well, we were playing cornhole together one day 
and the score got to be like 18-0, right? And you played a 21. So I was playing, I had the 18, he had zero. And I've never skunked him before, ever. So before we, we like paused the game and we made a wager. And, uh, and Cole was like, if you skunk me, I will give you the rest of my meal tickets. But if I get, if I get even, what did you say? If, if you, you, I forget what it was. First of all, if he gets even one point, I get There's nothing. No skunk. Yeah, there's no but skunk. But I kept it right? pretty simple. Like, if I don't skunk you, like, or if you don't skunk me. It, right. Something yeah, simple. yeah. If it you skunk like me, if, you get them all. Yeah. If you don't skunk me, you get nothing. But then but then there was something else, like, if I come back, if I make a comeback, right, there was some other. Uh, you have, you to, have give to give me 10. Me 10. Yeah, yeah you have to give me 10. So Because I've been um, known to come back from a very he has, big He has deficit. been known. Yeah, that happened once or twice. So um, can you guess what happened, Brandon? Uh, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing he lost his tickets. I skunked him. <laughs> Otherwise, so, that wouldn't be a good story. Yeah, That's I was going to say, you should have known that from the beginning. Yep. I, <laughs> I got him. a good story for you. <laughs> I skunked him. You know how many tickets he gave me? Uh, 12. 12. Is that early? Yeah, he gave me 12 oh, tickets. Oh, yeah, I said yes. the rest of my tickets. Yeah, he That's gave right. me 12 tickets. I couldn't have said that with you because the rest of yours would have been like 40 or 50. So. Uh, yeah, at the time, I think it was okay. a little more than that, but it's yeah, it's dwindled. Okay, um, are, are we doing one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Okay. I'm really going to think about that unpopular opinion thing, though, because that's a good question. It just takes more time to soak in. Oh, you know what? I hope this lands on 12. Did it land on 12? Uh, yeah. It did. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I actually ask the question about if you could change anything about the SERP, what would it be? Hmm. Um... I would I would probably change so in our space there are these uh, so like I like quick answers I like the concept of quick answers I don't like that Google in a lot of cases is starting to stuff up a SERP with a whole conversion process you could get your quote now in certain markets you get your uh, um, a, an auto quote, an auto uh, insurance quote directly mm -hmm. in a SERP um, where uh, I think it's not the better experience than if somebody could feel like they get a, uh, they, they can make their own opinion or formulate their own opinion by trying multiple websites or whatever it might be. Uh, in our space and so other you think service. that Google in trying to make it easier for the consumer is making it harder I, I do in some spaces Interesting. I think okay. in some spaces quick answers and, and some of the other featured snippets do in fact create a better and quicker uh, more relevant experience but for example in, in the service industry in certain markets right now they've got these Google uh, what are they calling them Google ser service ads or something like that where it's uh, these go above the PPC ads and they uh, and I'll, I'll show you after but uh, they they are ads that you apply for with Google and you have to pass background checks and everything to even uh, show up and you can have a uh, a Google guarantee check mark on it to to the point where if somebody clicks on my ad that I got approved through Google 
and they weren't happy with the service, they could go to Google and they will refund them, similar to an Amazon guarantee. Hmm. And uh, you the, don't like it's that? It's super noisy, right? Now. It's like in my space, it's 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 not accomplishing what they want, what I know they want to accomplish. And I know they're eager to to um, get it up and running, and they've been calling me nonstop to get ours finalized. But the background Who Google checks, has, yeah, they they take a while what, to do. What 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 are they checking in their background check? Uh, they use Pinkerton, Pinkerton, Pinker something. I think it's Pinkerton. like Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's an actual third party service that they use. Okay. Um, but, uh, it, the process is super long. It's not a criminal background, check. but they've got to, they've got to do some form of background check. If they're going to guarantee a service, they need to do their due diligence. Right. So I, I agree with that, but I think it's, it's bulk. It's too noisy with PPC ads. And then you have your local additional ad that happens in a local maps result that uh, um, it's going to turn, is this gonna turn into something where uh, like most people don't buy on Amazon items that are not prime anymore. If it's not prime, they just like ignore it. Potentially. Maybe that's a mindset that they have. Interesting. Okay. So I don't think so though, because it's still like to me when I see sponsored, just like, eh. like even on Amazon, there's ones where it's like featured, but then I see it sponsored. Nope. I just move you know on. They just pay for that. Huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like I, I have like a distrust of sponsored almost. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, I'm not, I'm not comparing it to the sponsored. I'm comparing it to the, to the prime where it's like, and, and Amazon has like Amazon's choice, right. And Amazon feature or whatever, where well, the fact that Google will like something is set Check up. It out. Yeah, he just showed us a picture. Oh no, it's different. I'm gonna have a different one. I mean, this is oh, no, no. oh yeah, that says Google guaranteed. Yeah, this is a Google. Yeah, why is yours so? Oh, you did the drop down. He just oh, no, he just article. googled it. Oh no, yeah. yeah. So so it actually gives me a drop down on mobile on on desktop. It does it shows three, and uh, depending on your lead volume, I believe it is because you can actually set a lead volume with them. Of oh hey dad, it's calling me. Uh, did you just ignore your father? Uh, sorry. He needs He'll a screen. Understand. Uh, Google, He'll uh, understand. See, but now my wife's my wife's FaceTiming me. Something's going on. Um, anyways, uh, on desktop they show three right next to each other. That uh, they the, that algorithm is pretty easy. You just pay more and you get a more pre- okay. premier spot. But that that may have to be a, another episode. But that's interesting. Google's it, going after Angie's List and Home Advisor. Well, good. Angie's List now. is lame. So I do not understand Advisor. why <laughs> Angie's List is even a thing. Okay, that's all the time we have. Time Cole, to Cole, thanks for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. I, I'm glad this finally Digital happened. Digital Marketing Roulette. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. And that's it. Until next week, we'll see you below the fold. Sayonara. It's Japanese for goodbye. <laughs>